oppressive as well as the religious leaders used it and interpreted it. And Paul says, look, you have freedom from the law as well. Christ was the fulfillment of what the law was all about. That is the freedom that's mainly spoke of. In fact, in the New Testament, the Christians and believers actually didn't live with freedom as we know freedom at all. In fact, they lived under a very oppressive regime in the Roman Empire. And this carried out. In fact, it wasn't until 13, uh, uh, 313 AD that Constantine issued, you might remember from your history classes, the Edict of Milan. And this Edict of Milan, we often think of it legalized Christianity. Uh, in, in, in reality, it really affirmed tolerance for Christianity. Later on, it would actually become legal to be a Christian. But the day was set there that you now tolerated Christianity in the Roman Empire. And so Christianity started to gain freedom. That is, when we look at God's word, this national freedom as we know it is not really understood in the New Testament as a biblical right. In fact, as we look as believers, national freedom is never guaranteed to us as a, as a biblical right in God's word. But it is given as an incredible blessing from the Lord, an amazing blessing that we get to share in here in this nation. And because it's such a wonderful blessing, I believe that it's also a great responsibility to us, those who are given freedom, you and I. And so we have this responsibility to live out. Now, many sports teams that might be a Christian, like let's say a Christian college sports team, or let's say it's a Christian individual that's playing in a professional league, they're often asked, why do you want so much to win a championship or play in a championship game? And if you follow sports or Christians in sports, you'll know the response is often this. It gives me a great platform to share my faith. It gives a greater platform to share. And so I believe that for us, freedom, as believers, freedom in this nation gives us an incredible platform to share our faith. It is a blessing that Christ has bestowed that we are allowed to turn around and use for his kingdom and to share our faith. And I believe that's part of the responsibility of our freedom. So here's the question this morning I want to walk through in your outline is what can I do with my freedom? What can I do? So let's take a look at it. If you have your outline, follow along. Uh, number one there, we can be a friend to those in need. Did you know that? That we can be a friend. Like we have the freedom in this nation to be a friend or to care for anyone in need. We have that freedom. And it's a wonderful freedom to care for somebody who might have need. Take a look at this passage. It's a fairly popular passage, so you might even be familiar with it. It's in Matthew chapter 25. It's in your outline. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Why? For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will say, well, Lord, when did we ever see this? When did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Jesus is speaking in a parable, a descriptive story here 
uh, with parallels. And as he's sharing this here, he's telling them, look, I want to tell you how significant and important it is in the kingdom that believers care for others in need. He goes so far to say that there is this inheritance of great reward for those. Now, you might go out today and say, oh, well, I don't, you know, all this salvation stuff we talk about, belief and faith in Jesus Christ, I don't even need that. I just need to go feed some hungry people, and I'm in heaven. No, that's not what the Bible says. It wouldn't be congruent with everything else. But there's an assumption here that if you have faith in Jesus Christ and you lock into what God is about, that will immediately spill over into you going out and caring for other people's needs and loving other people. Look, if we were to take this literally, this is what it says. Food and drink, that we would provide food and we'd provide drink to people. And that's a powerful thing, that people would be able to eat and drink. We just saw in our, our city just a few weeks ago when the tornado came through, one of the, the greatest needs was water wells that no longer working or city uh, water that wasn't working in certain areas. And so there was a need for water. I dropped off water that you donated at one of the rec centers. Half the gym was filled with water bottles. I went back to take additional thing that you had brought in. Nearly all of that was gone. Water was in great need. So food and drink is a need. Clothing is a need. Now, if you're a parent, you'll know at the beginning of school year, you know, it's coming up in August. We get a little break in the summer. It is shoe shopping time, right, when you go back to school. That is just a killer to the wallet when, it, when it's time to shop for shoes anymore. I look for, like, the $9.99 pair of shoes. Like, it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, it doesn't exist. So, I know, my poor kids. <laughs> Clothing is so significant, and we can provide that need for people who would be in need of it, housing. I mean, just think about opening up your room and giving a roof over somebody's head for, in times of heat, in times of cold, in times of rain. And then this visitation. You were sick, and you know what? I cared for you when you were sick because you needed somebody to bring you, like, soup or something. You needed somebody to check in on you when you were ill because it's hard to move around when you're sick. You know, or prison. And we might say, prison, I mean, they made their bed. They can lie in it. You know, what's the big deal? Now, Jesus is saying, no, we go and visit them still in prison. Why? Because he is a God who believes in redemption. And so Jesus is saying these things are so significant. And guess what? We have the freedom in our nation to care for people's needs. All of these needs, we have the freedom. Now, you might say, well, Tom, I mean, how much freedom do you really need to care for needs like this? Did you know that even in our country today, 21 cities in the U.S. have passed measures restricting the people who can actually feed the homeless? Did you know that? I mean, that there, there's actually cities in our nation now that in order to hand out your window food, you can be cited and fined because you didn't have the proper food handler's permit to care for people. Even in Charlotte, the Not In My Backyard movement, you might be familiar with it, has gained some traction and ground in legislation, even in Charlotte, and things that are being pushed, things like homeless people not being, being able to be fed 500 feet from a commercial or 500 feet from a residential structure. But for the most part in our country, we have the freedom to care for these type of things. There are places where you can't. And so it becomes a great responsibility for us as Christians, as believers, to follow this biblical principle and the wonderful platform as we have the freedom to do it.
What if this? What if like every person at Wendover Hills Church, like every person who calls this church home decided, you know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start carrying sandwiches or some type of food in my car, you know, a little cooler, you know, bread, peanut butter and jelly, all that, whatever, right? Whatever you choose. I'm going to start carrying that in my car everywhere I go. And so when I pull up to a corner and somebody's there, I'm not going to think of, oh, I think I know the background story on this, you know. I'm not going to ask them what's going on and all that. I'm just going to provide food for them. That'd be a powerful expression of caring for somebody's needs here. So we can do that with our freedom. We can be a friend to those in need and care for their needs. I think it goes deeper, though. Number two, if you take a look at this. I think the deeper is that we can be an advocate to those without freedom. And I think this is a powerful and important one. An advocate to those without freedom. Meaning that we would actually believe that there are people in our nation who, by our nation standards, should be afforded the same freedom that you and I feel, but they're not. And that we would have a call as believers to be an advocate for them. That there'd be people in our world outside of our nation that face grave and and terrible tragedies, and that we can speak into that and be an advocate in some capacity for them. Take a look at Proverbs chapter 31, verses 8 and 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. That's powerful in, in itself. Ensure justice for those who are being crushed. Maybe your translation says oppressed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get what? That they get justice. That's a powerful motif that, that Jesus, or God's word period, speaks about over and over. This idea of, of caring and being an advocate for those who cannot for themselves. Where is justice needed? That would be a question. I mean, where is justice needed? Ask yourself two questions. One is this. Is there something systemically wrong If you can look at a situation and say, is there something systemically wrong that actually creates somebody being oppressed within that system? Guess what? There's a place to speak in for justice. There's a a place to speak up for those without freedom there. Second question is, is there any oppressive force? Is there an oppressive force that holds down a freedom that somebody otherwise should have? There's a place for us to speak in and be an advocate for those without freedom. Maybe you don't know this, but uh, Raleigh-Durham in a 90-mile radius, draw a circle 90 miles out, that includes Greensboro, it's Charlotte, and those type of areas, that this is actually considered a superhighway of traffickers, superhighway of those that sexually traffic and those that traffic for labor purposes, especially young children uh, used for labor. Why? Because there's so many highways that crisscross, so many places you can get to in a quick amount of time in this window. And so there's an opportunity right here in our backyard to be speaking. Researchers actually tell us now most adults have interacted with somebody somewhere who is being sexually trafficked or being trafficked for labor purpose, and we didn't even know it. It's an issue, and we can be an advocate. How? Well, we start digging, we start educating ourselves, we start learning about things where God would want us involved, and we find a way to get involved. Now, your heart might be stirred different than my heart. Your heart might gravitate towards some area of how you can be an advocate, and mine might be different. But as we focus on the verse to help speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, to ensure justice 
for those who are being oppressed. Folks, uh, if we in our country think that's, a, that's something of the past, oppression in our country, I think is in the past. Racial oppression is in the past. Ethnic oppression is in the past. Um, you know, male and female, that kind, of, that kind of something in the past. We're all kind of equal now. We might have our heads in the sand. There's so many areas that God would still encourage us to be an advocate and to speak into in different areas. So how do we do that? We research, we look, we keep our eyes open, we ask God to reveal to us. Take a look at this passage in Acts chapter, nine, or chapter 11. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting the gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. Money for, uh, for whatever purposes to the church. Now, you might say, well, Tom, that sounds a lot like the first one there, just provide for people in need. Not so much. Let me tell you a little bit about what Paul's task was. Paul was sent out to actually collect money among the believers in the established churches to give to the widows in Jerusalem. Uh, we know Paul as a missionary, right, going on three missionary journeys, maybe a fourth if you would include his arrest and travel to Rome at the end of his life. But Paul was actually sent out to collect an offering for the widows in Jerusalem. It's just he couldn't, he couldn't not preach the word of Christ, and so he did everywhere he went. Well, what's this thing about the widows? You see, when a, widow lost, when a lady lost her husband and became a widow... She immediately became an outcast. She immediately lost all her rights and all her standing, period, in the culture. And so who took them in? Who cared for them? The church did. The believers did. The believers looked at widows and said, you're not a cast off. You're one of great value. And so they took them in. In fact, the number one impact that Christians had in the first century was upon the widows and the poor. That's powerful. And so this, this money that they were collecting was actually going to serve a great injustice of stripping widows of their value altogether in culture and in society. They were being an advocate for those without freedom or those whose freedom had been stripped away. And so it's, it's essential for the church to be an advocate, to help stop and to help provide freedom where we can. There's a third area I think is important. In fact, it may be for us this morning the most important place to start. It's this, is that we can lead our families to honor God in everything. We lead our family to honor God in like everything in our lives, and we lead our families to look to God and to honor God in what we do, what we say, what we spend our time with, what we put our value in. We'll take a look at Joshua chapter 24, and this is a fairly popular verse in, in the Christian world, but I want to make sure you hear it. So fear the Lord, Joshua speaking, and serve him wholeheartedly. This is a great speech he's giving. Right after God had delivered them from a, an incredible battle, the enemy was far outnumbered them. Serve God and, and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worship when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Those false gods, like put those away. And then he says, serve the Lord alone. Verse 15, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites 
in whose land you now live. And then he makes this declaration, but as for me and my family or my household, your translation might say, we will serve the Lord. What is Joshua doing? He's saying, look, I don't care who you decide to serve. I mean, we're kind of living together. We're neighbors. We're in the same area. You serve whoever you choose to serve will not affect me. I will serve the Lord. My family will serve the Lord. I will lead my family that direction. It's a powerful statement that he's making there. In fact, we live in an age today where we're so influenced by culture that does not love Jesus Christ that sometimes it's very easy to say, well, you know, it's just, it's just hard in our culture today. I mean, my kids go to school on here. We see it on the TV. We, there's so many ways to influence. You think there wasn't with Joshua? Joshua is saying, look, I don't care what you believe. You know, the gods beyond the Euphrates, the Amorites, I, whatever. For me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I will lead my family that direction. Listen, you have the freedom to lead your family to honor God in everything you do. Not every nation has that freedom. Uh, some places maybe freedom to have a, a time of, of, of God reflection or Bible reading in their home. But you have the freedom to honor God and let your kids honor God and your family everywhere you go, to speak into them wherever you go and whatever you do, to lead and build into them. It feels like that there's a war on traditional Christian values in our nation. Do you agree with me? It feels like there's a war on that, traditional biblical values. But the antagonist is not who you think it is. The antagonist is actually professing Christians. Professing Christians who have not made the declaration like Joshua that we will serve and honor God in our family. Everything I teach, everything we do, we are going to honor God. And that becomes a problem. You see, it's, it, there's a growing number of Christians who we don't honor God with our Sabbath. We don't honor God with our finances. We don't honor God with our sexual habits. We don't honor God with our understanding of marriage. We don't simply give God maybe five minutes in the morning to wake up, to spend time with him, and to be to connect with him in the morning. And so it's no wonder that we lose a footing. It's no wonder that we feel like there's such an attack on our values because we've let it kind of slip away. Joshua says, I'm going to make this commitment before all of you. Live how you want, but I'm going to live for the Lord, myself and my family. What's the answer? Is that you and I would declare the same thing by our faith, that we have the freedom to say, in my family, I will serve God. My family will serve God. We will focus everything we do in that direction. What can I do with my freedom? I can lead my family in everything to honor God. So what's the takeaway this morning? In these three areas, maybe for you, you would say, you know, I, I really can be one that cares for people in need. Like, like I'm in those atmospheres all the time, and if I'm honest, sometimes I just ignore that it's there and that it's around me. I can easily throw food in my car and care for somebody. I can have water bottles. There's other things God's put on my heart on how I can care for people in need. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you would say, you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm just kind of stirred up by things that I see, things that feel like injustice, and I've never really been sparked to step up and make a phone call to, 
you know, the organization that's active in that or, or my representative uh, who can do something about that. Or I've never, I've never chosen to just speak up myself, but I want to be an advocate to those without freedom. Maybe God's leading you that this morning. Or maybe this morning for you, it's, man, uh, we have a Christian family. I mean, I get them to church and send the kids to youth group and kids staff. But man, when I hear Joshua's words, like that's not my declaration in my household to say everything we do, what we watch, what we say, what we're involved in, how we use our resources, we are going to honor God in everything we do. So here's the takeaway. What, do you, what will you do with your freedom? It's an incredible blessing and gift that we've been given, but I believe it's a tremendous responsibility. What will you do with your freedom this morning? Can you bow and let's pray on this and just commit to the Lord and as we do that, maybe the Lord has already put on your heart the way you need to just do a little business with him. And go ahead. He can hear us both talking at the same time. Let's pray. Father, I'll look to my own life and I'll confess the times where some of this stuff has just passed me by and I just roll on with my days and my weeks and I guess my actions and my attitude are sometimes, well, others can kind of fend for themselves, survival of the fittest kind of thing. But Father, your word shares something totally different. And the more time I spend in your word, the more time I spend with you, the more time my heart aches for those I see around me, those that don't know you as your Savior, or those around me, Lord, that are in great need, physical need or emotional need or whatever the need would be. And the more I read your word, Lord, the more it becomes clear that you're saying, I would like to use my believers, I would like to use those of you who call yourself Christians to provide for those, to speak into their life, to offer the need to be an advocate for those who would be crying out and to realize that God has blessed us with a family right around us to speak into and to lead that one day each of them and our family would equally be providing the needs or being advocates for others. If that's you this morning, just, just lay it to God and just say, Lord, I, I want to I do this. I want to provide needs. I want to be an advocate. I want to lead my family, whatever it may be. Maybe it's all three this morning. Just talk to God. And then here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Take this sheet. I want to just ask you every day, wake up. And spend a little time reevaluating and redeclaring whatever it is God's put on your heart today. That every day you'd start your day fresh, be a blessing to others, be an advocate for others, lead my family. And Lord, we thank you for what you'll do, even in a group this size. And we pray it all in your Son's name. Amen.